The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So that was one of Aya Kem's take on loving kindness. She has other ways of doing it as well. She has one where you take a blanket and wrap it around yourself, and then you wrap it around the person next to you and the person on the other side, and it gets larger and larger. So I'm curious about any reactions or responses to that. And Sharon's got a mic if anybody wants to say anything. Should I go ahead? Okay. I, I'm... Okay, I'm Don, and uh, yeah, I was I was not expecting to invite people that have that had died, and um, I and I did. I just kind of like, oh, okay, this is like really happening, and so let's let's do that. And uh, all of a sudden, it was like uh, my my grandmother and my grandfather showed up, <laughs> and uh, and that was the first time. Well, of course, he had died, and I, I didn't get a chance to get to the hospital to be with him, even though he was asking for me. So it was just really um, nice to have him come. And I was like, oh, it's like I haven't, I didn't, I didn't see you, before, you know, um, after you died. Of course, you know, um, yeah. So that really was that uh, just felt really something, sort of. Um, was kind of healed a little bit with that mm. grief work, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, my name's Rob, and uh, that was very interesting. I very enjoy, I enjoyed it <laughs> a lot. Um, I'm used to the more for, uh, formal uh, loving kindness meditation. This was. Uh, different take on it i i i really enjoyed it um the um lightness of it the lightheartedness of it mm-hmm. versus the um you know kind of like the more um formal practice i i found it just a different flavor so to speak get it soup um <laughs> and then you know something else probably most of us humans Whenever we gather as a tribe, we have food. And I found that to be a very easy uh, metaphor, uh, something to picture in my mind as, um, you know, giving. So, anyways, thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lisa, um, and I am also familiar with the other approach of loving kindness, where you're wishing well, wishing non-harm, wishing uh, these things, uh, the whole thing. And um, what I found was the it was so much easier to wish uh, those that I don't like or have trouble and struggle with. I had no trouble. I even invited someone that I despised. <laughs> Who shall remain nameless? <laughs> <laughs> and I was fine sharing food with, huh. uh, instead of, you know, so it's just an interesting take. I, yeah. I like that. Mm. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Chelsea. Um, a couple things were surprising to me. One was um, that with this practice, the people all sort of keep accumulating, whereas in the other formal practice, I kind of think about them one at a time mm -hmm. and then set them aside and move on to the next person. Um, but with this practice of imagining them all sitting in my dining room, because there wasn't enough room in the kitchen, um, when the, the people that I had troubles with came to the door, I did have a little bit of a clenching of like, uh, I don't know if I want to like let them in and ruin the party. But, <laughs> but then I was like, oh, but these other people here don't know how they've hurt me. Oh. These other people might mm. like them. Mm. They'll, and then so I started seeing those people through the eyes of like oh. my friends and my dog who loves everyone unconditionally <laughs> because my dog was also eating the soup. So <laughs> that was really surprising and beautiful oh. um, to just remember, like, some of those hurts don't have to be so personal mm -hmm. if I can look at them through through more neutral eyes. Mm -hmm. And and then also just the inviting animals um, and giving them an equal seat mm -hmm. at the table mm -hmm. was, I mean, I've, I've for a long while now dropped thinking about hierarchy between animals and people, but... It was such a funny image to see my dog and my dog's best friend, who's a puppy, at the table, just like, <laughs> eating the soup. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's lovely. Thank you. Anyone else? Hi, I'm Lana. You guys hear it OK? No? Yes? Go. Um, so. I normally come here on Fridays, and I'm, I'm used to bringing, when I'm you know, driving or biking over, like a person I ha want to practice forgiveness around, you know? And with this metaphor, like I didn't, I totally like spaced out who that, who these people are. I was, had a, had a situation the last like month and a half, and I don't know who exactly, my, my apartment was like broken into by the maintenance company that like owns the building, and I, anyway, so there's been like two police reports, it's just a mess, and so I don't know who these people are, but anyway, it would be nice to like let that go. But apparently, this whole practice. Like, <laughs> so what I did get out of it um, was I also struggle with food, like compulsive eating and stuff. I have uh, eating disorders, kind of issues. So food is kind of a way to be destructive or like uh, hate, hating, self-hating, you know, in a way. And so to imagine, I like the the flip. I've done a lot of work around it, to seeing it as a, like a nourishing thing and like a a place where you can practice spirituality, like mm -hmm. whether that's like being eating vegan one day at a time or like, uh, you know, eating a meal instead of like overdoing it. And, um, and sharing with the person I had difficulty with caused me to have like physical kind of tension in my neck and stuff. And then when we followed that up with like ourself, I just couldn't even bring the love there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm just struggling, I guess, and I just wanted to share. Um, thank you for doing something new and different, and um, that was my experience with it, so yeah. thanks. So thank you for sharing that, um, because for some people this won't work at all, or, or they will find, you know, you'll notice where the resistance comes up and where the hearts close, where fear shows up, and all that's part of the practice. 
you know, they talk about it as being a purification practice. We get to see what's in our hearts, and it's not good or bad. It's just what is. So can we offer ourselves compassion for the places that we're afraid, or we have revulsion, or we're not feeling the way we think we should in the practice? It's just another opportunity to watch our bodies and minds and to offer ourselves kindness, if that's what we're experiencing. So thank you for sharing that. Anyone else? Hi, I'm Meg. Can everyone hear me? This okay. Um, I agree with what some of the previous sharers have said about the the tangibleness of today's practice being like easier for them. I definitely felt that, but one place where maybe the meditation wasn't quite for me is that the the idea of serving myself last. And you mentioned at the beginning of the practice that like practicing loving kindness towards ourselves can often be like the most difficult for a lot of people in our culture and that definitely resonates for me so uh when i think of serving myself last i think of like all of the times in life where i put other people first and i'm giving myself towards other people or other things and by the time i get to myself there's nothing left Mm -hmm. and so I think if I was going to be practicing this at home, I'd probably serve myself first to make sure I'm uh-huh. <laughs> satiated while I'm serving all of the people in uh-huh. my life that I love and the people that I want to forgive and share my loving kindness for. But, yeah, that was my yeah. experience of it. Yeah, so that's great. So finding the ways that you need to heal and then working with that. So um, the Venerable Analio, does anybody know who he is? He's... He's a big deal now in meditation circles. <laughs> He's a German monk um, who actually lives now in this country. He uh, lives at the Barry Center for Buddhist Studies. And he's a, quite a scholar and a very interesting person. But, and he's been a monk for a long time. He lived in Sri Lanka. He did the whole thing. And he just could not do loving kindness. Until one day, he remembered that he loved watching the squirrels outside his meditation hut and how much joy he got in, with that. So his meditation practice, his, his entry into loving kindness was to send loving kindness to the squirrels. So whatever you need to do uh, to begin to experience the opening of the heart and honoring those places where you can't open your heart. Because for, for some of us, probably for most of us, there are you know, really difficult, we've had really difficult experiences around certain people or things. And so if we're not ready to go there, that's okay to honor that and, and to offer ourselves compassion for that. So thank you. That's a great idea to start with yourself. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, first of all, I didn't think of soup. I thought of lasagna. Because, <laughs> um, but at the beginning of the session, does this work? Do I even need this? Okay. Um, at the beginning of the session, you asked who was new and like who has been here before. And um, I realized that I've been coming here like kind of on and off for about four years. And I didn't realize that it had been that long. And um, the person who brought me here um, four years ago was someone who became my best friend. And over the past, I guess something happened earlier this year and like we're no longer friends. And so every time I come here, I think about this person. And um, during the meditation, I was thinking about what would happen if this person, you know, arrived at my door at my dinner party. And 
I didn't find any spite in myself. I didn't find any like sense of malice. And I imagined that I would let this person be there. But perhaps I'm not very noble because I didn't see myself wanting to watch this person eat. Mm. And I found myself so like fixated on that that I forgot to eat. And then the meditation mm. was over. Oh. So. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Maybe we'll take one more comment if there is one. I'm Sharon, and um, I really enjoyed it. And I think part of part of the enjoyment was because it is different than 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 the other ways that that we do this, and and they're all good, but. I just followed it. It was like a movie, and um, and I had no problems um, letting in people that I had difficulty with. And part of that, I think, is because I was giving them soup, and somehow that's a little bit different than reaching into your heart and giving compassion, even though afterwards it was clear that it was the same thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I... I thought it was very good. Thank you. So again, the point is to find your way in. We want to start with the easiest way, just as traditionally you've started, we started with ourselves. Some people find that easier, some don't. But the purpose was that that's, that was the easiest route for some people. So you need to find the, the thing that works for you and then go with that. And for some people, it may be using the more traditional phrases. For others, it may be just visualization, something like this. But be creative and find what works for you. So why don't we stretch for a few minutes before I make a few remarks. How's everybody doing? OK? OK. So tonight I'm going to offer a few reflections on what I call why we practice loving kindness. And then I thought, well, that's kind of nervy. I can only really talk about why I practice loving kindness. So um, I guess that's what I'm going to talk about. But I thought we would start with just um, some reflection on our intention for being here. So we all decided to come here tonight. It's a beautiful summer night. We don't have many nights in the year that are warm. <laughs> and yet we made this decision to come here and to practice loving kindness. So I'd like to invite you to just settle in to reflect for a moment on why you did come tonight, on what your intention is. Perhaps you had nothing better to do or you've been feeling kind of unloving lately, or maybe it was something entirely different. So why did you come here tonight? And just allow whatever arises in your mind to be known. Why did you come? Now I'd like to invite you to reflect on how that intention to come here tonight 
might support a deeper intention in your life. So for instance, does your being here support an intention to be a more loving partner, parent, friend? Do you want to live from a place of peace, regardless of what difficult emotions you might experience? What is your deepest intention, or at least one of them, in your life? And how is that connected to your being here in this room right now? And then I'd like you, if you're comfortable doing this, you don't have to do it. If you feel okay with turning to a person or persons next to you, the introverts in the room will be thinking, oh no, Uh, you don't have to. But if you choose to, you could turn to someone and just share one or two things that came up. Why are you here? And is this connected to to a deeper intention in your life? So we'll just spend a couple of minutes doing that. I realize it's a big question, but... You may not have all had an opportunity to speak. Hopefully, at least some did. So I'd just be curious if a couple of people are willing to say why they're here tonight. Why do, why do you want to practice loving kindness? Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe just one other comment if anyone wants to share why they're here. Uh, my name's Anne, and uh, I think it's probably been a year since we've been here, maybe. Um, yeah, I just, um, I I just need to soften um, constantly, I you know. So any chance that I get to be reminded to soften um, and not be right about everything and not be so judgmental, it's... I need to take every opportunity. And it was my husband's idea to come here, so thank you. So I think it's really important to reflect often on our yeah, intention just, um, it kind of keeps us on the path um, really yucky I had and so I wanted to share just my own some of my I'd own thoughts about this um, in case they you know, resonate with in, you uh, or don't greed and fear and then maybe we can and talk about it's it some more kind of related to uh, the intention I'd like so to I like to write things down because my memory's lousy so I'm, I'm gonna have to referring to start my to get into trying to make some decisions based on so for me um, the practice of loving kindness so is a reminder uh, that despite how hopeless I might feel um, or how unloving I might feel in any given moment that there is a possibility of something different in the future 
because I can get pretty convinced of things being pretty dark. And I'm increasing the likelihood through the practice that something different in the future will happen and that it will be uplifting and wholesome and loving. Or at least not so worrisome, angry, or jealous. So that actually through the practice and the repetition of the practice that I can begin to change the situation. And this is in fact what the Buddha taught. So you might have heard the teaching, whatever one frequently talks about and ponders about, that will become the inclination of the mind. Whatever one frequently talks about and ponders about, that will become the inclination of the mind. So if we spend a lot of time worrying and caught up in anger, that's what we'll be thinking about in the future. But if we're practicing things like loving kindness, then the likelihood of that being our default becomes stronger. So for me, at first, when I started this practice, it was an act of faith. I thought it was really boring. I thought I wasn't any good at it. And I was really discouraged by the, um, the trash in my mind. <laughs> what else to say this? Um, I said unloving thoughts was really trash. Um, I had a lot of anger and all that stuff. And I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but it was just like when I really turned around and looked, it was like, oh my God. Um, but I was intrigued enough about the possibility that actually this could change things that I took someone else's word for it, in that case, the person who was teaching me this. And perhaps I was just desperate enough that I, I followed it. And so eventually through my practice, um, this bl- what's called blind faith uh, became what in Buddhism is called verified faith. So I wasn't anymore just taking somebody's word for it. Um, I was actually experiencing the fruits of the practice firsthand. And I saw that cultivating a caring heart mind for both myself and others made me less likely to be pulled into this darkness that I actually was seeing some change. So the, the Buddha puts it this way in what's called the Dhammapada. It's one of the collections that are they're poetic of his teachings. The thought manifests as the word. The word manifests as the deed. The deed develops into habit, and habit hardens into character. So watch the thought and its ways with care. And let it spring from love, born out of concern for all beings. As the shadow follows the body, as we think, so we become. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi said something very similar to this. So, um, Interesting, I didn't bring a page with me. So now I'm going to have to just talk. <laughs> so, um, so there's somebody named, um, I like to bring women into my talks because they're not mentioned much in Dharma settings. There's somebody named Jetsama Tenzin Pamo. Is anybody familiar with her? Yeah. 
So um, she's a British woman that was, uh, became a, a nun in the Tibetan tradition. And she wanted to demonstrate, among other things, she wanted to demonstrate that a woman could do the same level of practice that the men could do, basically. As well as the fact that she wanted to, she wanted to do this spiritual practice. So she went to the Himalayas and she spent 12 years living in a cave on a mountainside by herself. And she grew most of her food. And um, uh, she slept upright. And has anybody seen a meditation box? So in the Tibetan tradition, they don't lie down at night. Um, they sleep sitting up. There's a picture of it in here. So for 12 years, she never lay down. She sat in this meditation box at night. And she said so someday she would have to chip the ice out of the front of the cave so that she could get out of the cave. She almost froze to death. And she'd still be there probably if, um, if her visa hadn't expired. And somebody came up and said, you've got to leave. So, <laughs> but that's good for all of us because now she's here teaching. So I had the incredible opportunity to do a retreat with her at Spirit Rock last month. Um, this is a picture of her now. You can look at it later. So she's 75 years old. She's this woman just of fierce, fierce compassion. She's just amazing. And, um, and I wish I'd bought that page where I have the quote from her, but I didn't. Um, she's, oh, here, here we, ah, I found it. Okay. So, um, so there was, a, there was a lot of Q&A at this retreat, and somebody asked the question about how to live in this current climate, political climate. And her answer was this. It's important not to add to the atmosphere and anger and paranoia, the psychic pollution of greed, anger, fear, and jealousy. By being angry, we are adding more darkness. We need to neutralize the negative energy by putting loving kindness and compassion into the world. Stop indulging in negatives and feeling sorry for yourself. I love that. (laughs) Strengthen your inner conviction that love is more powerful than hatred, compassion more powerful than cruelty. So she's all about that, just kind of naming it. Like, stop feeling sorry for yourself that things are so bad and just, you know, do the practice. So... um, when um, Reverend Angel Kyoto was here um, last month, who, who heard her? Did anybody hear? Yeah. She was, I mean, she's another fierce practitioner. I mean, that woman nailed it. And um, she, clar- she helped clarify for me how we might do this. And she suggested that we always ask ourselves this question, what stands in the way of my liberation? What stands in the way of my liberation? Is there more liberation in fear, jealousy, anger, or is there liberation in love and compassion? I mean, I think that's the central question. So if you're having trouble extending meta to those whom you feel are doing harm in the world, and I'm not naming any political party, it could be on either side, It might be useful to remind yourself that we're practicing for our own liberation as well as for others ultimately, but really it starts with us. 
And by liberating ourselves, by liberating our own hearts and minds through practices like loving kindness, then we are more available to others. So, um, this can kind of operate on both the micro and the macro level. So, um, so micro being kind of one-on-one relationships. So I'll start with what for me is the easiest, the micro. So a few years ago, I like to do long retreats and I like to go to Spirit Rock in the winter, which is in Marin County. And um, so I was there a few years ago on a long retreat. And like on most retreats, you sign up for a job. And I always like to sign up for the job cleaning the bathrooms. And I like to clean the bathrooms um, because they, there was a lot of flexibility in that job. You could clean them whenever you wanted to, basically. I mean, you had to clean them once a day, but it was kind of on your own schedule. And also because I got a lot of satisfaction out of seeing those gleaming toilets. I didn't get as much satisfaction out of my own practice, but at least I cleaned the toilet. So I, I really liked that. But it didn't work out quite like I expected because instead of being able to just waltz into the bathroom whenever I wanted, and there was a sign that says something like, um, bathroom cleaning in progress, please use another bathroom, I, I couldn't do that if somebody was in there taking a shower, especially if it was the men's bathroom. So I would have to stand out in the hallway until this person was finished. And sometimes I'd have to stand there for a long time. And I just found myself fuming that this person was in there taking a shower. I mean, what right are they to take a shower in the middle of the day is what my thought was. was. And so I had very little perspective on this. This person taking the shower was in my way. And so uh, this is really painful to see. You know, when you're on retreat, if you've been on a retreat, you really just see what your mind is doing. And I saw all of that anger and greed. I wanted it my way. And it was very painful. And so I decided I would spend one month of the retreat doing nothing but loving kindness. So I did it all the hours that I was uh, awake. When I was eating, when I was taking a walk, blah, blah, blah. When I was meditating. And... um, Sometimes I thought I would go out of my mind. I just couldn't stand it, but I kept doing it. And um, what I noticed was that my attitude towards the occupants of the shower began to change. And so by the end of the month, I was actually wishing them a good shower <laughs> as I was standing out in the hallway and, um, and smiling to myself and to them. So I got to actually see that I was much happier and that I felt much more personal liberation through the practice of loving kindness. So it can work that way at the macro level too, um, the level of how we're responding to the situation in the world. And um, I've already mentioned what, um, and I would say for me that's far more challenging, what Tenzin Pamo has suggested that we just let go of our own little um, unhappiness about this and are wanting it to be different and that we just do the practice. Um, So Andy Olensky um, has something to say about working with people that on the macro level that we are having difficulty with. So Andy Olensky is a... um, 
He's, a, he's, he's living today. He's a Pali scholar, so he studies Pali, the language that the Buddhist teachings were transmitted in. And he's a longtime practitioner. And this is something that he's, he wrote that really resonated with me, so I want to share it with you. So he says, you do not love other people because they deserve it or because there might be a spark of goodness in the hardest of hearts. The practice of loving kindness is for cleansing your own mind stream. It is a healthy mental and emotional state. And the more often you can conjure it up and sustain it over time, the better off you are. While rating loving while radiating loving kindness in all directions to all beings without exceptions, your conscious mind is bright and luminous, dwelling in a holy state, or Brahma Vihara. That's what loving kindness is called, the Brahma Vihara, abode of the gods. And your unconscious mind is being subtly transformed, such, a, such that you are becoming a kinder person, one who will be more disposed to respond with loving kindness in the future. Hatred, on the other hand, is inherently toxic. And any time it emerges from the depths of the psyche and flows into your active mind, it causes harm. Hatred affects others when you act upon it by assaulting or berating them. The state of hatred itself also causes lasting damage to the quality of your own character. That's what the Buddha was talking about in that quote that I read earlier. And acting even low doses of hatred, such as annoyance or disapproval, reinforces a toxic quality of mind and hampers your ability to love. There is a lot that is wrong with our world, but attacking the things we don't like with malice will always lead to harm in the long run. The Buddha offers the image of a person thrusting a torch at someone upwind. The intention is to harm the other, but the torch holder is the one who gets burned. I think about that bear spray, where if you spray it upwind, it comes back in your eyes. (laughs) So loving kindness is the antidote to hatred. That is why cultivating it is so beneficial. The practice is about your being able to access and cultivate the healthiest parts of yourself without allowing anyone to obstruct that. And this is the sentence that I love. Why would the indisputable fact that someone is a jerk, or even a monster, drag you down and prevent you from becoming a better person? I love that. Why can't the loving kindness you're generating permeate even the darkest corners of this world? Loving kindness is universal, not personal. This is what makes it so powerful as a tool for mental purification and emotional transformation. Let's even extend it to, and perhaps especially to, the jerks and monsters of the world. So that's something, I love that thought. Why should the indisputable fact that someone is a jerk drag you down and prevent you from becoming a better person? So it's... It's in the same vein as what Angel said, I think, which was, um, is it standing in the way of your liberation, of your becoming the best person that you can? And if it is, then that's something that we need to look at and to really um, continue to cultivate the quality of loving kindness and a caring heart. Simple but not easy. So that's what I have to offer. And um, I would love to hear from you about your experience or your reactions, questions, or comments before we move to reading from the book. Anyone? Uh, my name is Robert. And um, 
I studied a little of Tibetan meditation and uh, reflect often on the, the saying that uh, your enemy is your teacher. And I find that working, thinking more in that vein, it actually loosens up the tightness for me. And I do feel a lot of compassion for my enemy. Uh, speaking with Mark about it, he suggested I use the term beloved enemy. And so I've been trying to do that. It works. It really does work. Mm. Wow, thank you. So the enemy is your teacher. That's great. Anyone else? I think, um, Lana, here again, I just, I think what you said about trusting the universe and, and these things, um, you know, what was the underlying intention and can you tie it to a bigger, um, I kind of lost, lost my, my train, my, um, oh, I hear it is. So it is. It is, I think, speaking our truth is really important. And I think that if, if a situation arises that causes, like, emotions that are not desirable, you know, dif more difficult, um, I just think it does, even if you have to stand in your truth in a really uncomfortable situation, that's the right thing to do. And that um, even if it's a process, you know, and it's like a month or two, that's the the right way to live. So that was my reflection, observation. Thanks. Thank you. Maybe we'll take one more if there is one. Otherwise, we'll Sharon will read from the book. Okay. Um. So people come in, and this book is, is over here. And um, people come in and, and just write down people uh, about uh, things going on and wishing uh, others meta and all kinds of stuff. So this is for the month of July. Meta and energy for all working on issues around racism and social justice. May our country and our world more fully awaken to equity, peace, and wholeness for everyone. Comfort to those who grieve, healing for those who are ill, and strength to caregivers of all kinds. Wisdom, clarity, and whatever else is needed to skillfully deal with the challenges before us. Meta for, meta for Tom and Ruby on their birthdays who have shared so much in our friendships of more than 30 years. Peace and comfort for you now and always. Meta for Jim, John, Michael, and friends. Our journey has been rocky, yet my hope and prayer is for you to have... Um, sometimes I, I can't um, read the writing, but um, gentleness of spirit 
and will bring always and will bring always and in always. Meta to all affected by bicyclist killed by a car accident in the neighborhood. May we all be mindful traveling. Meta love and light uh, for Christine Hefty's journeys into light, love, and Jesus' arms. Wishing strength, acceptance, and support for Myron, who has been diagnosed with stage four cancer, and for her, uh, his wife, Kelly. May they be held in the great compassion for the Dhamma. We for love for the Thompson family who lost their beloved daughter, sister, and who have welcomed her friends into their hearts, sharing love and grief and, and growing in compassion. Farewell, my um, aunt, Barbara Fisher Shannon, uh, and the next and the next wife, all the pr- grace and the next with all the grace shown by you in your last and the ring of peace in your laughter following you. For my dear friend Jean, who is very ill and going through tests to determine what a suspicious mass is in his left abdomen, may he be held in love and light. For my friends and colleagues here at Common Ground, thank you for your active friendship with me. It means the world to me to just say hello with a welcoming smile, to realize this is not a lonely journey. Your compassion and concern for, for my um, uplift, uh, for me, uplift my spirit. I think of you often and you're thought of with love. Thanks to all my teachers. For the close friends and family of a dear acquaintance of mine who was killed in an accident while traveling abroad. Praying that the cloud of insecurity and depression will lift and that um, something can revel, oh, that this person can revel in her own beauty and glory. For Katie Bremer, my sister, whose son Jake died alone after his truck rolled down a ravine. And for his sister McKenna, may the living and the departed be reconciled. For Gwen Linsky, my friend, mentor, family, my mirror, know that as you walk alone in your body with your two feet, I walk behind you as your benefactor, your light, your tribe. I love you as I love myself. Meta to Patrice or Dan and Dan and Joy regarding loss of beloved doggy companion Tally. May she be at peace. And then I have a few uh, announcements. Um, uh, Sunday, August 12th, workshop with Emil Jalonen. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, cultivating Happiness, Transforming Anger. And that is Sunday, August 12th, 1 to 5. And then a day-long retreat with Gail Iverson and Gabe Keller Flores, Saturday, August 25th, 9 to 6. Mindfulness and Physical Pain with Ramesh Saram, 
Sunday, August 26th, 1 to 5. And then Cooking for Labor Day retreat. We are still looking for people to cook food ahead for the Labor, Labor Day residential retreat. I think we have just about what we need, but uh, it would be good maybe to check in about that. If you um, have any good cooking skills, we need a lot of food. Okay. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, so, um, so all the food for our residential retreats is prepared by community members. This is a wonderful way to support those who will be engaging in intensive practice. If you'd like to help by preparing food in advance, please go to the residential retreat site or pick up a, sli a slip by the Donna Balls. Okay, um, these folding chairs and these like two and a half rows um, there's not many people sitting in them, so if other people can help, it would make it move faster. They get taken down the stairs and then to the right and then are, are, uh, are leaned against a wall at the end of those, at that hall on the right. So thank you very much for coming. Oh, yeah. So I want to say just two more things. Um, so one is the practice of Donna or generosity. Um, so Common Ground was built on generosity. It continues to operate on generosity, solely on generosity. So the building that we're sitting in was built because of the donations of time and money by people who contributed. And it continues to operate that way. So if you are moved to offer something to Common Ground, um, there's a bowl outside. There are three little bowls on the other side of that wall. The middle one says loving kindness, I think. Um, so whatever you contribute, if you choose to contribute, uh, I can never remember the percentages. Uh, I mean, what is it? The teacher? Yeah. OK, so 2 thirds go to the teacher. Uh, me, <laughs> and one-third goes to common ground. So what I teach is freely offered with no expectation of anything. Um, but if you would like to offer something, that you can do that, or there's a tablet out there that you can use as well. And right, should, by offering something, then you enable other people to come in the future. Um, yes, that's right. That's okay. And putting away the chairs is an act of generosity. So. Yes. Um, yeah, and so I would like to end with um, what's called sharing the merit. So if you would find a comfortable seated posture again. So sharing the merit is the practice of offering whatever goodness or merit that may have accrued from our being together here, of our practicing opening our hearts, of caring that we dedicate that to the well-being of all beings everywhere. So may the goodness of our practice, the goodness of our intentions, whatever merit may have come from our being together here tonight, may that be for the benefit of all beings everywhere. Animal beings, human beings, beings seen, beings unseen. May all beings everywhere Breathe free from suffering. 
May all beings everywhere know loving kindness. May all beings everywhere know peace. So thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, comments, reflections. So the Buddha said that Kalyana Mitta, spiritual friends, was all of the practice. So we're able to enjoy and learn from each other here in this setting. So thank you. Oh, good. 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 Yeah. Give it a little rub. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It's like magic. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.